1: strange familiars, Allison? Other than your various ailments, which you, you gave me a, a list of before we started, how are you feeling? Super. <laughs> if you remove all if the I, ailments. If I remove all the ailments, you're I'm feeling great. super. Are you dry from Albatwitch Day
2: yet? No. I feel like there's stuff in between my toes that will never dry now.
1: <laughs> Albatwitch Day was a rainout, to put it mildly.
2: But that does not mean that, A, we did not show up. And that does not mean that, B, people did not show up. No.
1: People did show up. And we had some lovely conversations. And
2: we are going to give a um, prize next year to the person who comes the furthest. furthest. So this year, I think it was a toss-up between either Zeb, who came from North Carolina, Mm -hmm. or the really nice lady with her son who came from Massachusetts. Yes. I think they were the furthest. Farthest, farthest, they came the longest way. (laughs)
1: Yes, Massachusetts, North Carolina, people from all over Pennsylvania, you know, and not everybody tells us where they're from, so who knows? There could
2: have been Alaskans there.
1: There could have been.
2: Who were like, wow, it's so warm today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's such a great thing to meet people, meet listeners, meet people I've communicated with, either via Patreon or, you know, maybe emails or Facebook or whatever. Though the weather was miserable, the day was the opposite. It was quite amazing.
2: I kept waiting for those tropical breezes to come off of the mighty Susquehanna River, but instead it was just frigid, frigid, cold rain and fog.
1: We did find out that our pop-up tent is a keep-the-sun-off-you pop-up tent, not really a keep-the-pouring-rain-off-of-you pop-up I up
2: think tent. it actually did pretty well, considering what, what it's real intent is
1: Yes and Chad saved the day with a extra tarp for us.
2: Yeah. He's the kind of person that does carry the or the small W D forty to make sure your larger can of W D forty. Make
1: sure you can get the lid off the yeah, big can. The, yeah. There was a an exchange I had, you know, a couple of days before Apple Twitch Day where he said, you know, do we need to get an extra chair? And I said, No, I'll just ask Chad to bring one. And I wrote a message, I said, Chad do you have an extra camp chair? And I literally stopped myself in the message and said, who am I talking to? Of course you have an extra camp chair.
2: Are you willing to bring an extra camp exactly. chair? That would really be the question. Exactly. And he did. He did. And, and then when our when our tent leaked.
1: He got a tarp for us. Chad's literally always prepared. Like I've never had a time where Chad wasn't prepared in that sense. So thank you, Chad.
2: He probably has extra undies in there for us if we need them. <laughs> Things really go wrong. <laughs>
1: Soraya came down from New York. Chris Ernst came down, or came up, I suppose, Mm -hmm. from Maryland. Tyler Strand of Hellier and the Unbinding fame, he came from Western PA. And we all got together afterwards around our kitchen table and had a talk. And I think it was a really, really good and interesting conversation. And that's going to be the show tonight, followed by a second part for patrons. We get into caving and goblins, of course, because you, you can't have a Hellier talk without goblins. Mm-hmm. The idea of approaching the paranormal as an initiation, of course, I squeeze Bigfoot in the conversation because mm-hmm. you know I have to; it's it's in my contract, and just the general ideas of the author. I think is a really really interesting conversation. I was happy when we had it, as we were having it, as I was listening back today and editing it. I was like, wow, this is. I think this is a really, really neat conversation. So that's coming up in just a little bit. Before we get to that, we have new t-shirts. Three designs. Black dog design on white, which honestly, that's one of my favorite illustrations I've done in the past years. That's one of the ones I did from my bed after the MS attack. I just love the way it came out. Sage, our printer at Forest Passage Printing, somehow he got it to look almost like my original illustration on the t-shirt print. If you're looking for silk screen work, t-shirts or you know hoodies or anything like that, Sage at Forest Passage Printing, check him out. He does work for us.
2: Work for a million other bands. If you go on Instagram, you can see the other stuff he's done, and he's done really cool specialty stuff that you're and I'm always impressed with what he does. Oh, yeah. Even if he's not a band, I know. I like the, the designs are always amazing. They the look...
1: detail he gets with my drawings and stuff when I send it yeah, to Yeah, it's really good quality. Yeah, I'm, I'm always stunned. Forest passage printing. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. He's a good guy if you're looking for silkscreen work. Well, we have the black dog t-shirt on white. We have my Mothman drawing, red on black. The one I did for Department of Truth. We did a one color Strange Familiars version. And the Eyes of Night, which was previously available at that other t-shirt service we used to use that wasn't silkscreen t-shirts. I'm not even going to say their name. Mm -hmm. Their designs started cracking and peeling and stuff, and and they never lasted as long as silkscreen prints do. The Eyes of Night, is the it's an owl and a luna moth. It's another one of my favorite designs I've done for Strange Familiars. That's white on black. I think it looks very striking. I think that's the most popular one. People just keep buying that one. There's also new tote bags. We have two new tote bags, one with the Mothman design, one with the Eyes of Night design. And we did a small run of white hoodies with the Strange Familiar's Awoken Tree on the front, on the chest, and the Black Dog design on the back. They kind of sold out immediately. I only wanted to do like 10 just as an experiment, and I was just going to do the Black Dog on the back and then Sage at Forest Passage. He made one up with the tree on the chest. He's like, isn't this better? And I was like, yeah, it is better. (laughs) So I said, you know, just make 10, like one or two in each size. And I'll I'll see how they do, because I've never done a white hoodie before. And they sold out, you know, within a day or, you know, pretty much immediately. So we decided, let's do a pre-order. We'll do another run of those so everybody has a chance to get one. There's a pre-order up now. You have until Sunday. So... If you want one of these and you want to make sure you get your size, make sure to pre-order it. Part of the reason we're doing a second run also is because I wanted one and they sold <laughs> out before I could pull into the size. So.
2: so we have to get up to a minimum because you want, want to get one for yourself. No, you
1: no, no. Pre-order runs until Sunday. If you want one of these, you want to guarantee to get one in your size, definitely want to pre-order it. I'll probably get a few more made beyond what's pre-ordered, so there will be some on Etsy. But if you want to make sure you get one in your size, the best way is to pre-order it. Pre-orders close Sunday. Instead of sending everybody to the Etsy shop, I've done something new. StrangeFamiliars.com slash
2: merch. Has links.
1: Has links. It's it's like a one-shop stop, although... There's pictures of the merch there. It'll take you to the Etsy shop, but it'll save you from going through and looking for all these individual things Mm -hmm. on Etsy. Go to strangefamiliars.com slash merch. Look for what you want. You click on it. It'll take you there. The sweatshirt is there. It'll take you to the pre-order. The tote bags are there. It'll take you right to the page to purchase them. Same thing with the new T-shirts. Strangefamiliars.com slash merch. All right. Let's go ahead and get to this conversation. It's Soraya. From Where Did the Road Go? It's Chris Ernst, who often appears on Where Did the Road Go? But Chris is a filmmaker. He did this sort of film about Soraya and Where Did the Road Go? called Magicians Long to See, which we will review for our patrons at some point for one of our review shows that we do. Tyler Strand was there from Hellyer, from The Unbinding, and from Tyler doing awesome art and sculptures. You were there, Alice, at least for part of the conversation.
2: I got sleepy.
1: You tapped out after a bit, and of course, I was there. Here we go. Welcome to the square table. The square table. The rectangle table. Mm-hmm. It's not a round then, table.
3: Where did the strange familiars go? <laughs> Straight to hell. Strange did yeah. the <laughs> strange did <to> the road. <laughs> Go. <laughs> uh, strange How was, strange did the road go?
1: Strange was the road that did go. Hi Tim. Qu- Hello, Sarai. How are you doing?
3: Alright. I got I got Chris here.
4: Hey. And we also have Welcome to Strand Familiar. Strand Familiar. <laughs> nice.
3: <laughs>
4: Tyler Strand. I, I dragged Tyler Strand kicking and
1: screaming from Alba Day.
3: You didn't want to leave the mud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was very enticing, mud to the table. I'm used to
4: crawling around in mud.
1: <laughs> so we are here. I've been bugging you to come on the podcast for a while. And I figured since you're since you're in the area, maybe we can just do it now. Plus, I, you, I,
3: plus you told him he can't leave unless he does it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being
4: like held that gunpoint. So mm-hmm. you're you're
1: setting a new bar for all future guests of Strange Familiars because you provided me with this awesome pumpkin hard cider. And I don't think any other guest has ever done that. So. It's good, right? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so, future guests of Strange Familiar, so I'm, I'm
4: sorry, there's the new bar. <laughs> well, you were, uh, Many of us are enjoying various pumpkin-related drinks. Yes. Fresh from Albert
1: Twitch Day, which was a muddy mess, but, but fun still.
3: I was there for the last hour.
1: Yeah. Cold, wet day, but still good. Still.
3: I, I was glad I wasn't there for the torrential downpour that hit about... <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes before I got there. Yeah, I
1: got a couple times throughout the day. I'm glad we had a tent, but that tent was not enough. That is a tent to protect you from the sun, not from the rain. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. So, for those who don't know, Tyler was involved in the Hellier project and the unbinding. How did you
4: meet those folks, the Hellier folks? Oh, you know, it's kind of a weird, funny, long story. With my involvement in all this kind of high strangeness, I've been interested in it since I was in my teen years, and uh, I was always kind of on the outskirts of it. I, I grew up in a really isolated town, and I was really disconnected even from the pop culture aspects of this stuff. So I didn't have the upbringing most people did in this, and I didn't really have a whole lot of value in the pop culture aspects. So when it came to knowing other people in the field, that was really alien to me. Like, even events were alien to me, that there were things like paracons and stuff like that. Like, alien in the sense that you didn't even know they were... <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know they existed. I, I didn't know they existed. It was really strange. And there was a year before I went away to college to study special makeup and effects that I had been considering what i want to do with my life I, i've always been in these weird topics these strange pursuits but you know the paranormal isn't a job necessarily so making monsters instead of hunting them was the next viable option for me but that was a pivotal year when thankfully for my mother she wanted to go to a paracon event i didn't know these things existed she asked me if i want to tag along and i almost said no because I didn't want to hear a bunch of celebrities gloat about their fake ghost stories. <laughs> but I ended up going, and I actually had a really great time, and it it kind of reopened my mind to realizing I couldn't ignore these things, which I had been doing a lot up to that point, because I, I myself had stepped away, because I felt like I was getting a little too untethered at times in my, in my youth. So I kind of married myself to the idea of taking whatever it is that I learned in my special makeup and effects schooling and trying to put that towards paranormal pursuits. So through these events, you know, I slowly started hearing names pop up and it wasn't until having some face-to-face conversations with the colleagues I have now that those relationships built and grew from there. So it was all kind of unexpected and organic. I had no no plans to be doing what it is I do now, let alone sitting at this table. (laughs) And yet, here we are. (laughs) And I'm honored to be here. Um, So, unexpected as well. I I should clarify, I did not know Tim was going to do this podcast (laughs) episode. Yeah, I I dropped it on you. (laughs)
1: Surprise!
5: Surprise.
3: Surprise.
1: You said you mentioned being into this stuff when you were younger.
4: I was. In what sense? Like, what form did that take?
3: Yeah, did you have experiences?
4: I did, actually. and, And it was kind of even that had a stranger startup so when i was in my youth i became interested in occult topics and all that entails you know it hooks you i think in the various ways as as it does even if just you know visually you see these these old artworks and you you want to understand what they mean you know they're full of these symbols and they seem like dreamscapes but you you don't really understand them but you want to you want to know what that place is what it means that is what made me start digging into aspects of alchemical teachings, mm-hmm. and as I was studying these alchemical teachings, reading up on the history of where these teachings originated in different ancient cultures, there's kind of weirder threads that exist underneath that, you know, like there's uh you know these things kind of spring up in ancient China, ancient Egypt, India, around the same times. And there's strange stories about things that come from the sky, or these entities that would visit people or impart knowledge, or yeah. you know, whether it be through divine experience or what have you. And I'm not saying that from the angle of like, oh, ancient aliens. Right. I'm not saying that at all. But but there's a thread of strangeness there, and I didn't.
3: And it's consistent.
4: And it's consistent, and it didn't. It didn't strike me as an alien thing, which is what I'm grateful to have. A weirder foot that started me off on it. Where like I, I started realizing, oh, this UFO thing maybe isn't what people necessarily think it is. Maybe it is more like a there's something spiritual about it. There's there's something alchemical about it. And due to my mother's uh, interests in this, she was really the only one I could turn to to ramble about <laughs> some of these wild thoughts I had and what I thought was really impactful and interesting is uh i would tell her some of these ideas when we would be having bonfires outside at night and it wasn't until around that same time when i had these thoughts in my head that okay like ufos these things they they visit people these are this has something to do with initiations it was a clear summer night around this period of time and around 11 30 12 a.m. at night. My dog at the time wanted to go out and go for a walk. And I don't think my mom wanted to walk alone, so she asked me to go, you know, if I wanted to come west. I said, yeah. And we lived on a dead-end road out in a forested area in northern Michigan. So we took our dog out. Sky was crystal clear. And while we were walking back down our dead-end road to go back to our house, a giant, luminous football-shaped object mm-hmm. glowing like an ember bobbed across the sky in a fish-like fashion. It mm. swam through the air uh, the way that one would wave their arm through the air out a car window. It yeah, swam yeah, organically yeah, 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 as yeah, yeah. if it was something living was the feeling that I got from it. So given the proximity of like what I had been reading, what was on my mind, it was clear in that moment that this thing seemed to be connected to those thoughts and yeah. that it was mm-hmm. connected to this kind of path that i just started out on and that's uh you know it's only built from there so it's like so the universe reacted to you it right. seems that way you know and, and i know there's a lot of argument people can make where it's like well you know these things originate in the mind or what have you and that's all fine and well you know but it doesn't diminish the fact that yeah. they happen right and oh yeah and oh, it's um
3: it also experience says a lot about what we can do that we're not aware of. If we're projecting this stuff out there, imagine if we could do that with intent.
4: Yeah, exactly. I'm with you 100%. So, you know, there's, there's been various odd happenings. But at the end of the day, the reason I ever got into this was just because it's a curious thing. And, and, I, and I wouldn't have needed those experiences to have me be sitting here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing as well. I think curiosity is the gold that we seek and it's it's at least what i seek so
1: did your mom see the thing too and yeah oh yeah sorry i should have clarified that but yeah yeah we were both witnessed it
4: including my dog
3: how does the dog react
4: i you know what's funny i don't have i don't have a clear memory because like you know i wasn't looking at him but i think his ears perked. like i think we all stopped in our tracks but very close and like i said it
3: was was it an oz effect type of moment (sighs) where everything went quiet
4: you know, I can't recall that. Everything was quiet as How old is. Were you? I was around fifteen to sixteen. Okay. Is when I was digging into this. That was like a really pivotal age for me. It's funny yeah. I brought that up earlier tonight. Yeah, but that that was part of you know that was part of that. Yeah. Um, that was a really pivotal age for me. So it wasn't that like growth period where you're in that liminal state of gaining new ideas yeah. and feelings and emotions and thoughts, and, and that's really what spiraled me out into space so to speak, and, you know, I think it's a very enchanted path, and that's very much what I feel and very much what these pursuits have given me, I guess. Do you remember what you were reading or what some of the stuff you were exploring at that <laughs> So, funny enough, specifically at that time, because I had mm. limited books yeah, right. on these topics, specifically the one that was really impactful was a book called The Philosopher's Stone by Peter Marshall.
3: Okay, oh. sure, yeah, so.
6: yeah, yeah.
4: Interesting.
3: You know, Do you want to talk about the thing that happened to you today?
4: I, I certainly would. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, uh, <laughs> so, turns out the uh Witch Festival came with its own uh, paranormal experiences <laughs> on the way to the event. So, for most of us who traveled to the event, we were all hit with... Uh, Horrible downpour of rain Um, Mm -hmm. Terrible weather all day long Yeah, it was nasty And yet, and yet we still persisted (laughs) Which I think is important In these pursuits Uh, (laughs) So I had a four and a half hour drive From western Pennsylvania I'm located right outside of Pittsburgh Just to help pass the time And brave the weather To get my head clear of the Impending doom of the traffic (laughs) I called a friend who only lived an hour away from where the Elbat Witch Festival was, see what she was up to. And we were chatting for a few hours until we had a reception during the breakup. So because the receptions during the breakup, you know, I just hung up. We didn't call each other back because I think mm. we both were just like, ah, eh, whatever, and, you know, yeah. later on. As I'm getting closer to the festival, a few hours later, about ten minutes away, I get a text from her where she asks me, Did you die? You know, just to make sure I was safe in the rain, because she knew it was uh, quite a difficult drive. So instead of texting and driving, which uh, I cannot do, I decided to give her a quick call. When she picked up, I answered the call with going, oh, I'm still driving. And her response was a shock. She goes, what? And I'm like, oh, kind of weird. It kind of, like, threw me for a loop, because it was, like, weird the way she said it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not, like, delayed, but... You know, there was a little bit of extra time because yeah. I, I stopped at a sheets and ate some food. Yeah. And then she goes, who is this? Which had I go, a, that had to be surreal. It was so strange. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? I go, it's me. I go, can you hear me? And she goes, who is this? And I'm like, can't you hear me? I'm like, it's me. I'm driving. I just called you. And then she's like, I want to know who this is. And then like her voice starts to break up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, maybe she just can't hear me, you know, like maybe, like, I don't know, I don't know why she didn't see my name come through, you know, I was confused about that, but I hung up the phone. I'm pulling into the festival, and then she, she's calling me back, so I answer the phone, and she goes, did you just call me? I'm like, yeah, didn't you hear me? Mm -hmm. Like, I was talking to you, I don't think you could hear me. She goes, who are those kids? on the line
7: i'm like kids i go what do you
4: mean and she goes uh there were two little boys talking through your phone and i'm like what do you mean i'm like i was talking and she's like whoa this is freaking me out so i'm like whoa this is freaking me out i'm like you got to tell me what they said i'm like what did they say and she goes i heard these two little boys and they're talking about something being on top of a bookshelf she goes, they said some other nonsense stuff before they got to that, but I wasn't paying attention. She goes, but they were talking to each other going, look on top of the bookshelf. You have to crawl on top of the bookshelf. It's up there. You have to look. <laughs> and then she goes, before the call ended, they both addressed me and they said, why did she pick up? And then the call ended. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I go, I hung up because I thought you couldn't hear me. <laughs> yeah, so, so did your name come up? Did you ask her? No, nothing like that. She said other stuff came up, but she was trying to remember. I told her to right everything No, no,
3: down. I mean, when, when the call came in, did it say it was coming in? Oh, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay.
4: yeah, yeah. I think it did. I just don't. I, so an interesting detail about this is when she picked up that call, she had the sense that of like impending doom, that there was something wrong. <laughs> and she thought something happened to me and that yeah, somebody yeah. had my... like. She had a weird feeling that something wasn't right and it creeped her out, like hearing yeah. these kids. Well, yeah. but, but another kind of odd detail to go along with this that I should have clarified, when I made that first phone call just during the drive to pass some time, We were talking about different, like, strange subterranean stories. Like, Mm. I don't quite remember how they got brought up, but I told her about the Van Meter Visitor, which she didn't know about. That monster allegedly flew into an abandoned mine shaft, left behind these big three-toed footprints and stuff like that. And then, you know, we're talking about these different cavern-type themes, and I'm like, well, did you ever hear about the children of Wool Pit? Yeah. You know, the green children of Wool Pit. And she didn't know about this, so... The last conversation we had with each other was about these two green children that came out of this cavern oh, over in this, okay. yeah, over no. in this uh, European England. country, England, I believe. Yeah. yeah, and they had green tinted skin, and they said that they were from this strange place called Saint Martin's Land, yep. Yep. and that they wandered through a cavern I, that I, they got lost in, and then they. When they left or found an opening, they were, in our world, seemingly.
3: I'm thinking of Allison has not heard this story before.
2: No, my only reference is that Land of the Lost episode where (laughs) they almost (laughs) made it back. And they see the the real town, and the stacks moved it, and then he decided not to go through the... The portal. Yeah, this they, is they, very they, similar. The, 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 the Wolfman story. They came from a land, yeah,
3: Saint Martin's land, which so I think was playing. a trans, what they translated to eventually because they didn't right. speak English. Yeah, no. Uh, the the boy died shortly mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, never took to being here. The girl. If I remember right, she...
6: Eventually lost the green she tint. She
3: lost the green tint, yeah. and she was able to... They taught her English, and that's mm-hmm. where St. Martin's Lane came from. But she also said it was, like, it wasn't a normal, like, night-day cycle. I'm trying to remember exactly y- Yeah, what I was. believe... Mm-hmm. I, I might be wrong on this.
4: Again, it's been years or so since I've read about it, but I believe she may have mentioned how it was, like... Kind of like perpetual twilight, yes. you know? yeah, I which is very right. much a fairyland type yes. thing, which is yeah, which is interesting, hour. yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's also curious too, like talking about their skin changing. And don't get me wrong, I understand there's there are skeptics who like who want to believe in the story, but they're like, well, this is probably like malnourished kids right, or whatever, right, right. and that's, that's all fine way. and good. But but like yeah. for the context of this tale, like the point being is like. We left on this note talking about these weird, like, fae-type kids. And, like, even though it was a boy and a girl in this sense, I find it strange how this phone call that we have after is these two kids. It's the trickster. It's strange. Mm -hmm. It's so strange. But, like, truly one of the weirdest things that's happened to me. Because it's so outside the realm of, like you misinterpreting something because it's like this isn't like yeah. necessarily a misinterpretation like this yeah. happened yeah but it's also something that shouldn't be able to happen yeah like this right. is a phone call through my phone and like th- with voices that weren't even detecting my own right she had a completely yeah. different conversation with somebody yeah that i wasn't happy <laughs> she was
1: on a cell phone too not yeah. a landline yeah yeah
4: yeah, yeah. I'm sure, it wasn't Gray Barker calling. <laughs> another prank. Another prank.
6: got him.
3: I, I've I've had people uh, back when I was using the landline where I would like put the phone down for a minute. Be no one else home, hmm. and the person on the other end would hear my name spoken. Mm-hmm. And I come back, and they're like, "Who was that?" And it'd be like, "Who is what?" Some woman just said your name into the phone. Okay. I don't here. know cuz it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> the phone was sitting right where I left it. And there's no one else here.
4: What's her number? <laughs>
3: I used to get strange phone calls too when I would uh, anytime when I was a kid and stayed over somewhere. My mom would get weird phone calls. And she'd be like, "I don't know, hmm. these people called for you, but I couldn't hear them." Like they were like it was too much static and I and it was always women. She'd be like some girl called, and you know, but I I couldn't take a message because I couldn't make out what they were saying, and I said you weren't home, and then they hung up. But I had no idea who that would have been. Like everyone I knew who might have called, I'd be like, "Did you call?" And they'd be like, "No." Mm-hmm. And it only happened when I wasn't there.
4: Oh, that's um. interesting. That's um. interesting.
3: So phone stuff can be weird. It's like all the phone calls from the dead stuff.
4: Well, I think, and that's like the most fascinating thing to me, is like one of the things this girl said I was on this call with her. She's like, well, how could they? You know, I joked. I'm like, you you heard two goblins. You realize this, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, those are goblins, my guy. And she's like, but how could they do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I think they can do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, but it, it does speak to that. Ephemeral quality, where it's like, yeah, how could that be real? Like, it's not like I don't think there were two things holding a phone, right? But mm-hmm. it's like they're a voice inside of a yeah. digital world. Well, I don't even know if you can call it digital, they're just out there in the ether, you know. Yeah. But they even
6: if it's digital, it's still there's yeah. still, it's still like a signal, it's still yeah. an, an energetic signal that in some way has to do with you know, you're either talking about like transmission of wireless frequencies or electricity. I feel like all of that stuff is just, I mean, classically, these are the things that the paranormal or the weird associate themselves with. Sound wave vibrations, different ways of transmitting things, subtle transmissions, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Subtle energies and subtle vibrations.
4: But it's also, like, curious, too, where there's, like, this kind of omniscience to it. Yes. It's like, how could they you know, if there is some kind of intelligence capable of doing that, it's like, how would it know? Like, how would it know to do that? Like, what does it feel or experience from its end? And I also find the most interesting detail to me isn't even necessarily them talking about the bookshelf. Like, yes, that's all very curious and might have developments. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how there was a kind of elimination of, like, random static by acknowledging that there was a girl who picked up. And going, why would she pick up? Like, so yeah. it's almost—it's oh, almost, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like giving credence mm-hmm. to like, oh, this is happening, and you're mm-hmm. hearing us, mm-hmm. but it's because you picked up. Yeah, yeah. Why I'm is like... it you? And so, like, that's strange. Like, like it—it it would be one thing to just hear these kids talking about a bookshelf, where it's like, well, you know, maybe random flukes happen with phones. You know, I've heard about. Text message type stuff where people get like fragments sure, yeah. of somebody else's message, which, like, who knows how or why that happens, but it's not unheard of. I've heard of things like that, yeah. but totally different, obviously, for like actual audio on a call. But so, you know, one could chalk it up to be like, well, I don't know, maybe there were just kids on the phone someplace else and you. For some reason, it just picked up a different yeah. frequency. Yeah. But but this weird acknowledgement that kind of goes out of left field from that conversation, yeah, they go, absolutely. why did she pick up? Why did she pick up, yeah. And you especially know, it's that, like,
3: they, that it didn't come right at the beginning when she picked up and no. said, who is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But also, if you if you think about the omniscience thing, if you compare our reality to like a video game or a computer code or whatever, you could be outside that code.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then you have all the possibilities, all the information there, and then you can just insert yourself.
4: Yeah. Oh, that's
1: interesting. I think um, about that a lot. Obviously, but... like, the other is outside of time, in right. a sense. Yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same same yeah, it just kind of looks in, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll what? put myself here, and then there, mm-hmm. and then there. <laughs> you know? Well, I
3: figure with the video game analogy, you can hold a cartridge in your hand, right? and all, everything that you could possibly do in that game, that that character can do in the game that you're playing, is in the palm of your hand. Yeah. And you can't experience it that way. You have to actually go into it to experience it.
4: Yeah. Well, I think a really interesting aspect of that analogy, just to, to play off of the, the video game idea, is how we have this this idea about what limitations reality has on it. So if you think about a very realistic video game that maybe has some uh, real-world kind of um, engines in it, like, say uh, say a video game like grand theft auto right things that follow gravity yep if you crash a car it's going to get dented it follows you know so you could imagine if you were inside this thing and you didn't know that it was a game you would assume that all the sciences we have would adhere to the sciences that we have because gravity works all the science that made those cars works however it doesn't diminish the fact that if i were to put a cheat code into it I can make a machine gun that can shoot out full vehicles yep. in mass, and it doesn't affect reality it doesn't affect the, yeah. the law whole of the reality it doesn't affect the law of conservation yeah. matter because it doesn't really matter. Right. It's a video game, so I think magic as well as just this reality might be a little more permeable yes. than we would think in that regard, mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that it doesn't adhere to laws, of yeah. course it does. you know I'm not here to say, oh, nothing matters, of course it does science yeah. matters. However, I think there are things that somehow can operate outside of that. And I don't think it needs to make sense. It just does. I
6: mean, that, that's the way I've heard it described in sort of my research, particularly coming from like Eastern, hmm. and specifically within like an Indian yogic tradition, is that it's like there are supervening laws that are sort of underneath or that are fundamental that we do not understand, but that these are the laws that people who are you know yogis Hmm. essentially magicians that are engaging with it and there's certain things that i've heard like there are seven layers of electricity in the ether and that in the third layer is where you have to access it in order to sort of get power in order to make things happen I i don't know this is all just stuff i've heard but that idea i think of there being other laws or other essentially laws of nature, but they're just at a level that we're not able to access with our tools and that those laws then, from them, our our laws laws emerge, our laws of physics, yeah. That's interesting. And so you're still, you're not doing anything that is against nature when you're engaging with, you know, these yogic or magical practices. It's just you're working at it from
4: an oblique angle uh, and
6: using sort of working with these different laws see I like mm. that and,
4: and I do like to think that whatever this stuff is including you know the, <laughs> the Vague terminology of what we would consider magic like I do believe it is all part of nature And I think nature accounts for those gaps, yep. you know, it's just not something that we We necessarily hold great definitions for right. at this well, point.
3: Well when we talk about like supernatural like, assuming that this stuff is beyond the natural world. But it, I like the idea that it's just rare phenomena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it, you have, you know, getting struck by lightning is rare. Mm-hmm. This is super rare. You know, seeing a UFO or what <laughs> you experienced, you know. And less rare, I think, once you've had experiences mm-hmm. because you're not as blind to them or you're... More noticeable to the things giving them to you. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, what's the, the there's
4: something to that. You see that with experiencers. You know, I'm not saying that. You know, I I have that. I hold that kind of title, but just people who experience phenomena in general. You know, in the past, when I started researching this stuff, you know, I would have had a very skeptical eye for those who had multiple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. experiences, but I, I no longer have that yep. because yeah. I, I believe it is the norm. Yep. And the pattern to once you see one thing there's a domino effect that Mm -hmm. occurs and and i think like what you were saying there's a lot of speculation that you can have as to why that is like is it something in you that changes is it something in the other that takes notice so it just pops up do you notice each other you know like what is it i think about it a lot like magnets where you know you you can go all day going well what came first the chicken or the egg but if you were to do that with two magnets colliding what side of the magnet do you blame it's both you know i feel like there's aspects of that too you have that give and take but something seemingly occurs you know and continues to occur that pull that attraction it it expands upon itself did your friend check the shelves in her house? I don't know if she did yet, okay. but you know, I'm I'm going at all angles. So you, you were just the bring check all of tips. <laughs> you know to bring a little bit more humor back. I, I should say, like when I did arrive at the Elbet Witch Festival. I was telling everyone in in this circle here to be like, "Hey, like I don't know if it's gonna be one of our shelves. Like, just keep this in mind because I don't know whose shelf." And yeah, you were needs asking to we at.
1: A, like shops around called something Bookshelf or something. Uh, yeah. If yeah. you're
4: listening to this episode, go check your shelf. Check
1: your shelf, check your shelf before you wreck your shelf.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that was oh. good. That was
5: great.
1: So you mentioned magic more than once there, Mm-mm. and I have heard. Many people, and I don't know if internally that you guys have referred to it as this, but I've heard many people refer to Hellier Hmm. as an initiation ritual. Mm -hmm. Multi-part question. Do you feel that, that that's the case? And if so,
4: how did you change through that journey? Ooh, that's a big one. I think, at least my hope, my hope with something like Hellier is that without being so grandiose in the expectations of it, whether people want to view it as an initiation or not. I hope that people see that, unlike this oversaturated pop culture idea of these things, there are people who have genuine questions, genuine curiosity, and it's healthy to explore that curiosity and to understand that the world is more Mysterious than I think we've been led to believe at this point. And I think that is more than enough of an initiation. Like, I, if you were to ask me, I think an initiation only needs to start with asking questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we are all bred of this fabric that stems from curiosity. You know, curiosity is what led me to this table. You know, and, and if Hellier sparks curiosity in people especially curiosity over fear which is something that we like to talk about a lot then i do think that it acts as an initiation Mm -hmm. even if it be just getting that foot in the door Mm -hmm. you know and and it's up to you to go as far as you want to on that path no one's here to tell you where your path should go you know i think that's all that should all be dictated by the individual we're we're all at different stages we're all at we all have different questions mm-hmm. and, and I think that's important to acknowledge as well. So for me, man, it's changed me in great ways. I, I think it's it's heightened my understanding greatly by being involved with a group of people and to see the dynamic of like both camaraderie and struggle. Of working with different people who think mm. differently than you you know that's been transformative yeah. you know I, I think a lot of people like to focus on positive aspects of being the only thing that's transformative but it also comes with hardship you know the hardship of being vulnerable and, and, and making something that people see you know oh, like yeah. there's there's yes. so many things Definitely. that can change you with this and, and it's it's scary there's a lot of things that there's a lot of fear that's involved, I think, in these pursuits, but all that is, is transformative. But above all, you know, to, to give the most positive answer, I've learned a lot, a lot faster than I would on my own, because I had a group of people I could bounce ideas off. Of. And that even extends yes. to everyone at this table, you know, yeah, I think, yeah. and I think that's why we're here at this table, because we're all curious minded people. And, through our individual actions of living a very strange life and making very strange decisions individually (laughs) it somehow (laughs) has culminated in everyone sitting at this table at this particular point in time and i think that is no less an act of magic than anything else Mm -hmm.
6: absolutely yeah well said
3: The things that brought me to the point I'm at were such rare type of things. Like when I look back and go, "Man, if this sequence of things hadn't hit just right, I wouldn't be here. I don't know where I'd be." And I see that numerous times in my life, and I'm just like, "The hell! Like, (laughs) do I even have free will? Did this stuff, or was this just a plan I'm following? You know?"
4: It feels like that. I struggle with that a lot where it's like, you know, it's like, do we have free will or are we just puppets?
3: (laughs) And if we are puppets, we don't know. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's like,
4: or are we our our own puppets, you know, to a higher state of being, you know? So it's like, who knows? I'm just here for the ride.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I remember Tim sending me his book the first time. And Beyond the Seventh Gate... Uh, is this going to be some urban legend crap? Uh, I'm literally sitting in my dentist office and I start reading it and I'm like, oh, oh no, he's dismantling the urban legends. Mm-hmm. And digging into the folklore, who is this guy? What, what? And then I'm like looking you back up and then I'm like, you need to come on right away. And then, and then, then boom, eventually we're here.
6: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Chris,
3: Chris sent me his movie, Corpse, mm-hmm. which mm. is a modern... Artful retake of King and Yell. King and Yell,
6: yeah. And I had started listening to Sarai. God, I don't even remember. That was, I think, because I had, you know, in my uh, interests, I had been Googling things about uh, pyramids and ancient, you know, history or lost history. And Uh, somehow that... I think it was because your first guest was... um, One of of my first. Or one of your first was... uh, Robert Shock. Robert Schock, yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, this is when I... uh, And anybody who was my former boss there, you can write me up for it, but I used to not work a lot when I was at MTV. (laughs) uh, And instead be, you know, like researching weird paranormal stuff online. And yeah, that sort of led to... And I didn't even... I hadn't even... I don't even know... Yeah, I think it was through listening to your stuff that I got to know everything else. Yeah, and in, in all the other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, and going up to visit you since we became friends is where the our most recent project that we did the yes. film uh, that is essentially the Soraya, where did the road go biography semi or biography of where did the road go? Let's yeah. say. And but that all for me felt very much like at least. When I am engaged in doing my creative practice, I kind of try to let what I feel is like the the waves of the ocean push me in a particular direction. That's why I'm not a super successful filmmaker, because I'm not going out. No, very much so, because I'm not going out and I'm not trying specifically to make something for this particular purpose. I mean, I've done things like that with partners before the hill in the hole was kind of like but most of the time when i'm doing my own projects i try to see where where fate will lead me and it must most of the time it's worked out like that's how corpse happened that's how this film with soraya happened that's how other things in the past that i've done things with music and i think there's you know for me at least
4: there's something to that letting the current push you in certain ways yeah I like that word too. I use it a lot. The current, yeah. And, and it's funny. I don't know if you guys feel this, but like the, there's certain times where it's like you become aware that's stronger than it like fluctuates yeah. at times. You can tell when it's yeah. present. At least, yeah. And sometimes
3: it gets stagnant. Yeah, yeah. And I think okay. that's
4: good. I think that's a good thing too because it's like you can't always be tapped into the wire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. I don't think for that sure. ends well for anyone. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that ebb and flow. You know, there's there's a lot to be meditated on upon that yeah to put it simply take breaks
1: people well, Yes. <laughs> take breaks like don't there's i don't know what that means <laughs> <laughs> well take breaks from the. don't let you have the metal show you're not you're not, you're not paranormal true. all the time night, yeah, every day, okay, every day. yeah yeah
3: That's, although they do kind of overlap at times of
1: course they're going to do that but yeah I think it's important sometimes, and for
3: just... pe- and for people like Jeff Ritzman, you yeah. know, he had to really get away from it for a time period before coming mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, every time you mention Jeff, I feel like I just have to step back and just say, what a loss! Yeah, uh, and yeah. what an incredible mind, and I miss him, and I never even got to meet him in person.
3: Yeah, same here. Talked to him so much, and
1: yeah, and and I talked to him probably one seventy fifth as much as you did, but we would have conversations. Couple times either after Where Did the Rogue Go appearances yeah. or with, mm-hmm. or otherwise when he he came on Strange Familiar once, I think. Yeah, and he was on Strange Familiar for 10 minutes, yeah. right. right? But then we talked for three hours after, yes, that. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, my first yeah.
3: conversation with him, including the show we recorded, was over six hours. So. Yeah,
1: he's what a mind for this stuff, and what a mm-hmm. loss. And,
3: I mean, it's awesome that Jeremy's putting up the old paratopias they did because mm-hmm. I'm getting to hear other stuff mm-hmm. from him that he never mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, he I don't think he he might have. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been so long now that, you know, he mm-hmm. may have talked about it and I forgot to. But.
1: And I, I'm going to say, so this is this is Maryland Prejudice. The first time I heard <laughs> that accent that Jeff had, which was a very Maryland accent, and I'm from Maryland, so I'm allowed to say this, <laughs> I was like, uh-uh, nope. Not no, this guy can't have anything good to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just growing up around that accent, but no. As I listen, I'm like, this guy is fascinating, and he's got a mind like a steel trap. I mean, wow, he was on it. He was ahead of the rest of us. Oh yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. 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 We're all we're all getting there. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. That's what I was telling Jeremy when uh, when you were on that. Yeah. Like I'm listening to these old paratopias from 2009, 2010, going. So you guys had all this stuff already back then yeah. That, that, yeah. I, that I discovered on my own and we've put together now. And it's like, oh, Jeff and Jeremy had
4: this stuff. We mentioned yeah. You mentioned that before. mentioned The cycle, but, the yeah. endless cycle. I don't, I
3: don't think people were ready for it then. Well, I yeah. think now people are a little more open to it's
1: it. It's like, where the footprints in. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know how we... Look, in my life... I've not been able to hit the crest of waves too well I'm, I'm either, yeah, either I'm either way ahead or way behind I just like uh. and something happened with that and I, people were ready for it Yeah, because I, uh, I was expecting and Josh was expecting too we were expecting a fight when those yeah. books came out we're yeah, like this yeah. is going to be a fight with the cryptozoologist people and there were a few and there are a right. few who still don't like it but the general reception was like people were waiting for it. It's like they were mm-hmm. ready for it. And and I, I say, you know, this is a book that should have been written 20 years ago, but maybe not. No. Yeah. no you know, I, I think it, it came it, out when it was supposed to. Yeah. yeah.
3: And I think when people look back on those two books 20, 30 years from now, they're going to be at a passport to Magonia level. Mm, they're going to be like so. they're going to so. be the, like these the, guys, these guys had all this stuff and
1: that's a that's a high compliment but yeah I, I don't know just, and, and, I just, and
3: I mean the, th- the thing is it, it's not you know you went across all the phenomena mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is what so many people have not done I yep. don't
1: understand how can you be even <laughs> if you're like your main thing is Bigfoot and you go and you talk to a witness and they're like yeah I have ghosts in my house that's not interesting to you right
3: ghosts are nonsense yeah <laughs> I
1: mean like even if you're not going to connect those two things which is they're highly connected yeah that's not interesting to you, yeah. at least. Like, you don't stop and say, well, wait, 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 wait. Tell me about these ghosts. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? like But no, it's like, they don't, they don't, like, nah, no nah, just tell me about Bigfoot. Gonna- well,
4: well, that's the funny thing, too, because, like, I've had the inversion of that, where, yeah. like, when I was into these occult topics, I didn't have an interest in Bigfoot, not because I didn't think it was interesting. Sure. Like, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't believe in Bigfoot, I I'm like, well, you know, it's mystery adjacent. Mm-hmm. It's strange that, like, people can't find it. Mm-hmm. I go, but it probably is, like, some undiscovered animal. But right. it, even if it is, you know, it's an animal. It doesn't pertain to these topics. Right. Yeah. So, like, right. it was interesting enough on the surface of, like, well... It's cool that it's a mystery, but it's not like... I'm not into, like, zoology stuff. Right. You right. know, and that's fine. You know, like, it's cool that it, it's out there. I, I wasn't a non-believer, but yeah. it didn't interest me. Right. Because it, it, to me, it was like, well, if it's real, it's just an animal. And i do you well, know... Well, that's the way it's put so, it forth. I mean, I they their but But then it's like, by default, by looking into occult stuff, and you start seeing these connections <laughs> to like, old texts and... Yeah. Um, you know the the kind of high strangeness materials that come out of those reports. Like, oh, well, actually, this is the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, so then I became interested, in it, and now that kind of thing is more interesting to me than, than most of these like subgenres if you want to break them down into that because it's like it does scale it down to that visceral physical element to a degree of of yeah. like how those experiences unfold. So it's like whoa, yeah. you know you can go out into the forest and have the the enlightenment of mm-hmm. of what these things have to offer, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, you don't have to be looking up to the sky or some ephemeral thing that like is such a rarity. It, it gives you the power to enter that tree line so to speak and grab it for yourself and I think that's an empowering aspect of those stories it's like Yes, it does get people into the woods. You know whether they. So the most positive angle I have on is whether they think it's an ape or not. It still gets people into the woods. Ooh, and it gets them away yeah, from yeah, the yeah. electromagnetic fields and all the other and,
3: and stuff it, that we're inundated
7: with. Yeah, it, it
4: gives you it gives you that visceral human experience of connecting with nature, and I think that is the most important aspect of that phenomenon, and, and is and, very much needed in this day and age.
3: And, and I think. If some of these cases most likely are, basically, wilderness poltergeists, I think it's because people are going out into the wilderness, and they're getting away from all that noise and electromagnetic stuff that is normally inundating them, and they are connecting with nature, which is giving this stuff the energy to manifest. Mm -hmm. Because they're looking for it, and so... Rocks get thrown, and they hear vocalizations and repeats and knocks, which is the same stuff you hear in a poltergeist in case in the house, But just with a different face on if it.
1: If Octavian were here, he'd be saying, In grimoire magic, mm-hmm. they tell you to go out to the wilderness to practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To which I will add, Jesus said, <laughs> go out to the wilderness to pray. He oh, did, yeah.
6: I love and that. The many saints <laughs> that I have studied coming from the Vedic tradition... There's a very specific thing about you do have to go into the wilderness, and it's especially good if you're either in a cave or on a mountaintop.
4: Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know a thing or two about those, Yeah.
1: <laughs> Before we get into that, and all Bigfoot, I know people are, going to, are wondering, have you guys seen the Colorado footage?
4: What's the I have, and food? it's absurd. Yeah. Okay,
1: so I, I want everybody's opinion. <laughs> it's shot ostensibly from a train. Okay, let me let me call it up so you can see it, and then you can comment. And, on And
3: people can Google this. People can Google yeah, it's it. Shot it, it's it's from
1: a train. That's right. It's, um,
4: yeah. A tourist train. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
6: I'm sorry. Let me just call it up. On YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube. Oh
1: no no no! <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> The general consensus on, on the Strange Familiars Discord is that it's yeah. it's bunk. My initial thing was like it was a, it's very well done if it's a hoax, but it's filmed from so far away.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's easy that, to, to make stuff you, well done nowadays. Yeah. yeah.
4: You know what though, even from far away, the funniest thing about this footage is that it has giant tree trunk legs. <laughs> like, like there's full blown pants underneath <laughs> that suit, and it's it's if very junky.
6: Yeah. yeah, if I wanted to go out for lulls that's like where I would go in my <laughs> weird
1: Slender Man suit to try to so uh, create a viral video. Let's see if there's a better one to look at here. These are all from news. Station. All I can say is that that
3: ain't no Patty. <laughs> Definitely not. <have. laughs> And, I mean, I've posted pictures or videos that had weird stuff in them, but they're not weird, and I know what they are. Yeah. But then you try to tell people, no, I know what this is. This is not paranormal. They're like, no way, man. That's paranormal. And you're like, but I'm telling you, I know what it was.
4: How recent is this? Very recent. Very recent. Yeah, like, like I don't know, five, four days ago, five yeah. days ago? Oh, God, yeah. That looks awful. Look at those, look at those uh, ankles. Yeah.
3: No, that's a guy <laughs> just walking along in a suit. <laughs> look, at those, <laughs> look at those bell bottoms. Yeah. Now, the question is, is the person
2: <laughs> filming it in on it?
3: Well,
1: the the, the commentary, which we, we don't have the
2: phone this on This isn't it. that f- where it's like sort of the sparse trees and it looks like the, oh, no, I okay. What are we looking at here? It's a dude with pants
3: who's walking along and then sits down. Yeah, this, somebody, is, this is, probably is also like
4: a weird zoomed-in video yeah. too. It, there's yeah. the normal video is like far away and it's like normal speed. Yeah, and
3: it, it's very pixelated because yeah. it's so
1: so. So, fun, so in the original video, you can hear a guy say.
2: Oh, he he does have the flares, doesn't he? he yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's, seven, he's got
5: them bell bottoms.
4: Maybe
2: he's a time
4: traveler. Uh, I mean, probably. I mean, you hear somebody probably. say
1: an elusive creature. Oh. <laughs> they're not. They're not uh, surprised. Very, yeah, very surprised or anything. I don't know. See, this is why I'm not, I'm not a, a video guy. And I always say this when people send me stuff because I'm like, don't I don't. What am I going to say? I don't. I don't yeah, know that much uh, about stuff. Yeah. I look at stuff and go, uh that looks pretty good. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the flared legs, mind you. I was looking, at, I was looking at the peaked head. Okay, sure. Okay. And uh, you know, but I always like. You, you so, do see those flared legs. I, oh wow! Oh, yeah, I totally see it, yeah.
3: I always lean to like.
1: It's a fake, right? That's sure. that,
3: I'm gonna yeah, yeah. like prove. So, so will
1: I. It's going to be a fake until you prove to me that it's not a fake. I'm kind to people because people get very excited about sure. this, and I don't want to like poop on anybody's birthday cake. Is that a thing? Is that a, is that yeah, a, it is a, now. Apparently. I just made a new phrase. Something Tim I, does that I, the rest I, of I, us didn't <laughs> <team laughs> know about. I said <laughs> I, I do not want to poop long. on anybody's <laughs> birthday cake. Anyway, so I usually just like, well, you know, that looks pretty interesting. This one I thought looked more interesting than most, mm. but yeah, the more I looked at it and the more people pointed out, especially in the Strange Familiars Discord, cause sort of pointing things out, I was like, oh yeah, yeah it's kind of... But I knew people would want us to comment on it. So, well, the consensus at the square table is uh, no bueno <laughs> yeah. on the. But new the thing, thing
3: is, even if it looked real, even if we were like, "Well, this might be real," so what? Oh yeah, we already know right. this stuff exists. So yeah. what is this telling us that we didn't already know? Right. 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 Well, and, and it's never going to convince yeah. a diehard skeptic who's no. like this stuff doesn't exist. They'll look at the video and they'll go, "That's fake." No matter what. Well, there's already pe- been people who are like,
1: "Oh, there's pixelation behind the head. It's CGI." <laughs> it's like, <sighs> <laughs> I don't that's, think it that's needs that's to a be lot. CGI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a guy in a suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like that's a lot of.
4: Yeah, that's that's artifact compression. Yeah. yeah,
6: yeah.
4: And to me, like, it's funny on on that same note that you mentioned, like one of the more empowering things to come to accept with this phenomena is that it is so rare that it probably will never or doesn't need to be on video. And and there's a kind of like, Mm -hmm. uh, I I hope you can follow my mindset on this. There's there's an interesting romanticism to this that I've come to realize that we don't get to experience in the modern day and age except through these experiences. So I was thinking on, so at this table, we have various artists that work in various mediums as an artist like reflecting on paintings and things like that what i what i find really fascinating about paintings in the past is how i realize in the modern day and age none of us actually experience paintings the way they were perceived then mm-hmm. when those are the only way you could possibly yeah. see yes. something imagine how impactful that is to see a colored image of something before cameras existed mm-hmm. yeah. there that is something none of us have ever experienced but like sure. we can only imagine it There's something interesting to be said about this phenomena that it kind of operates in the same way where you have these experiences that people have. They have descriptions of it. There's poorly drawn witness sketches, but it's kind of like those medieval cats with the strangely human faces. It kind of gives you a taste, but it's not enough to satisfy the truth of it. So it retains its purity by being a mystery. And I think that is more important to these things and the mechanisms that they play than being so forthright in the way they reveal themselves Definitely. to a digital camera, which uh, again only um, highlights the importance of the personal experience yes,
6: yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think also the fact that it's something that has you're getting similar phenomena or I mean it, the, the apparent artifacts from analog technology to digital technology aren't that much different. Too, which makes me think that it is technology agnostic mm. and that there's an adaptation that doesn't matter if it's analog or digital or something else okay. crystal based technology this is interesting because you're yeah. somebody who
1: literally works with yeah. film teach film yeah I've had several people posit to me that we can't get another patty film because everybody's using digital cameras now. But if we went back to analog film, mm. we could get another patty film, would but- I mean that doesn't make any sense to me because the patty
6: okay. film would be the patty film is simply a documentation of something that's happening in front of you. Mm. You could do that digitally or you could do that with sixteen millimeter film. I mean they're both working in the the technology, one is having chemicals that is are reacting with the light. The other are electronic sensors that are reacting to the light. So, I mean, maybe if we go beyond it where we have technology that can capture something that doesn't react with light, maybe that would be different. But so far, everything reacts with light. So I think that might be more important than the actual technology itself. Okay. Yeah. So unless we want to get really woo and say somehow right. the other right. knows the but difference. But the idea—I mean—there yeah. is this idea like analog is somehow more pure than digital, right. and I, I yeah, don't isn't necessarily that just, like, buy that. Part of well, that like,
2: like renaissance of vinyl. It's the some sort, it's, sort of it's, uh, yeah, it's fetishism. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's
6: yeah. A rationalization yeah. for. I mean, for maybe ages. you might get slightly different effects. Like you might get a different type of light smear because. It just works in a different way, but you're going to get fundamentally the same thing, which so far, hmm. all I've seen, you know, is the same in terms of what people are producing. You know? I've
3: heard some ghost hunters say that analog recorders get better EVPs than mm. digital ones. Mm. And that might be also because digital compresses. That mm. probably. Uh,
1: analog has artifacts, though. Yeah, ah. that's true.
7: Has artifacts.
3: Yeah. 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 So, so interesting. Um, yeah. And if this stuff is, as is, is, is Keel posited, coming in from another light spectrum, Yeah. That might also be why we don't really get good footage of them. Yeah. Well, why cue, even good footage of them looks bad because cameras
4: yeah, well, can't cue, quite hit them. Cue the woo, the the woo soundbite. <laughs> woo!
3: Because uh, <laughs> just
4: for the sake of record, coming from me at this point in time, part of my thoughts on that patty footage because I do think mm. I do think that it's real. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a genuine thing in that footage. But if you really want to get weird with it i'm not saying i believe this 100 percent, but i speculate that that footage exists because that footage going off of what you were saying mm-hmm. with uh the way we, we deal with film and how we document i believe that footage is modern scripture mm-hmm. and scripture doesn't need to be rewritten twice it only needs no. to be written once wow right? and that scripture no. that scripture has led people into the forests they would have mm-hmm. never walked had it not been written. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a well, take. Wow. I can get on board with you with that.
2: I, I, yeah, man. I, 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 you like a, yeah. Do, Do we have, you have a say... mic here? Can we
3: please drop the mic? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you <laughs> could say, though, even if it was fake, it still had the same effect.
1: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You could indeed. Which, yeah, the other wins either way. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it, it always wins. Yeah.
4: Welcome to the madness of these <laughs> <his> pursuits. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
7: <laughs>
1: So, uh, true. a thing I've taken, and this is not original—I stole it from Tobe Johnson, and we can talk about this. And he said to me one time, because we were talking about all this great audio we have. have you heard the Sierra sounds—they're amazing. Mm. Yeah, like whatever's going on there, and I'm not even saying it's Bigfoot, but it's something. Yeah, and we can't reproduce it, and it's beyond human vocal range, and all this stuff. It's—they're—they're they're amazing. Lots and lots of great audio out there. Fantastic audio. I think I've got some pretty good audio myself. Mm. Not to brag, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, we, we, we have good audio. Like, yeah. but certainly, my audio might is it's nowhere near the Sierra sounds, but it's better than anything I've gotten on camera. We can say that, right? Sure, um, sure. Miles better than anything I've ever captured on camera. So, Tobe says, it's almost like we're not allowed to film this stuff. Mm. Yeah. There, that feels like an essential truth to me, but then why? like that the question is why? Does that make it more real if we can see a picture
4: of it? or like like well, I just I think it goes back to like you know, kind of some of those thoughts I stated earlier. I think it almost I feel like having a visual of these things backs it into a corner because once you have a visual in your mind, it never leaves. Yeah. and so it's dictated it's permanent there's no room for change so you know there, there's aspects of that but then you know there's also aspects where it's like by keeping it rare yeah. by keeping it not accessible to the masses by delivering it down to the personal experience it makes the impact real it's not something that's just so light hearted that you know we can just consume it the way we consume everything else in, in, in all of its um Cheap substance yeah. You we know the, Does all yeah. the media That we consume every day uh, By our own will And against their will Really satisfy anyone? Yeah I don't think it does So why would something So important As this thing That's been with us Since the dawn of time yeah. Give us a, such a Fast food fascination Certainly <laughs> The
1: one possible Interesting exception to that Is lights Yes mm. When it's a yeah. plain light A plain light Yep But there we have this thing That's universal Across the phenomena Yeah yeah. Right, like the lights,
3: poltergeist lights. activity, electricity—these yeah. are the, the the commonalities. So, so
1: it's because. Yeah. Is that like the basic form of it? And right. we're, we're allowed to have a yeah. kind of sometimes sure. a picture of that sometimes. Well, not, not well I also
4: feel that like light is kind of like a Rorschach test, though, in a way. There you go. You yeah. know, I think that s- so many people, you feel a certain kind of way when you see that there's it's such a universal form. It's formless. Yeah. And yet it's real because it exists. So like, you know, I feel like that importance there exists in that kind of Rorschach ability to kind of be how yeah. we perceive that light, you know? So it's there's... a
6: formless form, and I think yeah. you know, there might be something, too, in, like, well, if we know from scientific method and research that there is this phenomenon, and I am not going into all quantum, but the, the double-slit experiment, which is basically about indeterminacy, something being in an indeterminate state, and then observation makes yeah. it determinate. Yeah, yeah. I do think that if that is part of what we know about physics... There could be something to that, especially if this is you know the phenomenon is acting from creation, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. that there's that act of perceiving there's something about locking locking something into place, and that the phenomena, and I don't know why then sound would be an indeterminate thing. I don't know, i guess what the difference between vision and hearing would be, but. I do think that that's something interesting there about the indeterminacy of it and us not being able to really like latch on to a concrete form Mm. of the mystical
7: Yeah.
4: well i think it also you know i know we could just keep spiraling with the you know the what ifs of it all but but then I, i you know i also think it's interesting how we have definitions for these lights like um St. Elmo's fire, things like mm-hmm. that, and yeah. the fact that fire itself, as just you know, this substance uh, more or less, is something that's also been with us since the dawn of time, and and we have <laughs> seemingly like uh, genetic hardware baked into our brains because of how we've always utilized it for survival. So there's you know an element of that there too, where it's like is is it playing off of that? You know, lights have always served as a fascination for people and in more ways than one they serve illumination mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. is that part of that that point but who knows yeah. you know but i think that's the great aspect of this like it's such a mystery yeah. it's such a mystery and it only continues to make us seek more answers
1: Coming back around to caves now. Yeah, uh, a- think...
3: Allison, do you want to tell us what he does? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what Tyler
2: does. <laughs> I don't either. So, <laughs> now, what was the word that you I enjoyed was, saying? Oh, how often do you get to say, "Are you a spelunker"? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I.
1: Did the caving start before the paranormal, or did, it, oh,
4: did yeah. it develop after? You know, it's interesting. So that is something that did develop after. And, the caves did it to you. And, well, well, here there's actually a lot of strangeness with that, because you would think it should have started before. So when I mentioned being from a small northern town where I had my first experiences, I actually come from a town with um, a history of mining, <laughs> particularly copper mining. Mm. Um, which is curious. We are one of the largest uh, producers of copper in the world, actually. But even though I grew up with that history, it kind of has that numbing effect where when you grow up around something, you don't really think about it. It's a blind spot. So I never thought about the mines. Mm. And it's not like there were any that were open. You couldn't explore them. They don't really exist anymore. Mm. That stuff, I I should clarify, the the mining has since gone. Mm. So the towns are kind of in that depressed state of what once was... Mm. Um, is this the U.P.? It is yeah, the yeah, U.P., yeah, oh, yeah. see, look at that. We have a, It's funny, I was like, maybe I'll try to not say where, I <laughs> picked up on it. I actually appreciate that. But yeah, yeah. It was in the U.P., very proud of where I am then yeah. from. <laughs> so it wasn't something I thought about, because this is something you grew up hearing a lot. Yeah. But given the nature of where this research has led, and given the development of things like the Hellier case, I actually took a job at a cave completely inexperienced to learn how to cave properly ah, just yeah. to benefit that case. So wow. it was kind of oh, like, wow. wow, wow. wow. like my undercover mission to, That's cool. to gain um, knowledge in, in that field. So just to hit an interesting Hellier note in terms of what people may see if, if they do happen to check out that documentary, there's an episode under the title called the... Unknown country, and in that episode, believe it or not, is actually the first time I ever entered a cave. When, oh, wow. When When Greg and I did recon on this episode, it was actually the first time I had ever stepped foot inside of a cave that was seemingly filled with monsters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is why we're very <laughs> inexperienced. We don't have any helmets or any protective gear. But what's interesting is by the end of season two, in that final episode. I already have three years under my belt at that point. Okay. So not long after we f- entered that first cave, I got this job working in a cave as a cavern guide. And I worked that job for three to four years and have continued since. So I've been caving for about five, six years uh-huh. at this point, And I've gained a lot of experience in it, both uh, with learning, you know, geology, aspects of geology, and just knowing how expansive these things are. There's truly entire worlds beneath people's feet okay. there are entire worlds underneath your feet and i don't think most people understand the scope of what these places are truly like and a lot of that is because of how pop culture paints these places sure. and, and and there's also been revelations like great revelations with how hidden these locations are you know you you watch a television show where someone comes across a cave and it's this large door, perfect doorway opening. Right, you just walk yeah. in. Not a, very few caverns are like that. In my experience, there, you could be standing three feet away from one and not see it. Yeah. they are little cracks in a stone that you have to squeeze your body into until right. it opens up into a large chamber, or it's concealed with vegetation. You've got to get on your hands and knees and mm-hmm. crawl. You know like these things are so well hidden. And there are so many of these places that are not discovered. It's just really given me an appreciation for all these hidden aspects of nature and understanding that they all kind Mm. of intermesh with one another and build this kind of beautiful tapestry of how these mysteries continue to survive. So I do personally believe that the underground plays a role in these paranormal aspects Mm -hmm. that now that's not to say that it's the be all tell all i don't necessarily think these things are physical so why should physical spaces matter but they do matter because they are symbols Mm -hmm. you know they're also symbols and and they intersect with our own journeys so to have these liminal spaces that you really need to work toward to find and enter you know and and brave you know yeah. the dangers of them you know is, is very impactful it's been a great journey for me of all the things it's funny tim you mentioned earlier like how has this changed you that element in and of itself is the thing that's changed me the most is the people i've met and the journeys i've been on in the underground are quite literally no different than unveiling other worlds Mm because there are other worlds you know Uh, so it's uh you know it's been a beautiful journey in 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 that regard but and you uh, have
3: so many ancient cultures that speak of the underworld as a literal thing you have like uh native americans who talk about the ant people yeah who took them underground so they could survive the last cataclysm and it's like okay that that doesn't seem like something they just made up they're telling this like it's History. Mm -hmm. So who were the ant people? You know, (laughs) and where did they bring them What else is there that we just don't even know about?
4: It's fascinating stuff, and and, and that's funny too. Like when you talk about the underworld, it's such a simple word, and we're all desensitized to it because we we grew up hearing it. But you you just break it down into two words: underworld. It's the Mm. world underneath you. That's uh, you know. So it's Mm -hmm. like that's the basic concept of of some of that. It's like that is there's uh, there's other realms. Beneath your feet. And and it's interesting because, you know, I know a lot of what we're talking about here at this table, you know, doesn't necessarily have to deal with the physical. And I do believe there is a large aspect to this strangeness and the underground that is largely not physical. So, like, I don't... Just for clarity, I don't necessarily believe that if you enter a cavern, Mm. you're just going to find some undiscovered hidden utopia... That exists inside the earth. I I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't necessarily think there's a physical place you're going to find. But that doesn't mean that there aren't experiences where those who perceived that experience, it didn't seem that way to them. Sure. You know, like I think there's altered states and I think there's experiences like any other experience, whether it be seeing a, a Bigfoot or seeing a UFO or seeing a poltergeist. I think there are things that are seen that one can experience when you confront the underground that can look that way. Mm Because something's making you perceive it that way. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, I I think there's interesting doorways that are to be opened, or at least one could seemingly try to, and that's what uh I'm trying to do in Mm -hmm. the underground.
3: Do you want to tell the story about your friend with the rock?
4: Oh man! I could that's a good story. I didn't hold on to this one as a secret, but uh, I, I I can I can divulge it here. All so, right, we'll crowbared out of here so <laughs> When I worked as a cave guide for three to four years, you know, I worked with a lot of great people there, some of which had worked at this location for over a decade. Uh, one of those people was a maintenance man. I won't say his name? But uh, he he was a maintenance man who worked in this cavern for about 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. He was a no-nonsense guy. He was very practical, which is why he was the perfect guy for the job to fix anything that went wrong in the cave, whether it be a burnt-out light bulb or any other kind of mechanical issue. He was kind of a a jack-of-all-trades. He had never experienced anything strange, you know, like through the grapevine of me being a curious person and asking about these things. I I know that as such. But I I went to work one morning. Uh, Our job started at 9 o'clock. We typically arrive at 8. And around 9.30, I just got done with some opening chores. And our maintenance guy was upstairs and he was visibly shaken. And people at the front desk were like, did you hear what happened uh, to so-and-so? I'm like no what happened well they tell me this story and I went to this guy as well to get his take and what happened while he was underground inside this cave he was working on a passage that was titled the devil's staircase Mm -hmm. the reason why this passage had that name is because it was a a short tunnel a branch uh, a side branch tunnel they had a dead end, but that dead end terminated in about a 40-foot vertical chasm that back in the day, before this was a show cave, spelunkers would actually scale up with just their hands and knees mm. to traverse, to crawl into this upper passage. Wow. So they called it the, the Devil's Staircase. His particular job at this point in time was to create an electrical water pump system To illustrate how in the ancient past water at one time formed the waterfall to create this chasm so we would turn this switch on and water would cascade down the wall for education purposes not only did he have to install this water pump but he also had to create new light fixtures inside the cave so people could see the ground that they're walking on and the way these light fixtures were created is they were all set up they were light bulbs ambient light that were projecting out of rock cairns so a stack of rocks piled up to conceal any electrical wires and things like that mm-hmm. to make it more... So he's know, making little ritual structures. <laughs> <he all eyes. laughs> yeah, uh, unbeknownst to him. But, yeah. uh, you know, just to, just to spruce things up so it's not so jarring to kind of not take people off of the, the occasion. So in order to conceal these wires and to make these light fixtures, this guy was walking up these steps that was parallel. To this tunnel. At the top of these steps was an area of the cavern that had very nice dry sand, like a pile of very loose sand, no rock debris inside of it. So he was taking buckets of this sand and he was mixing it inside of the cement that he was using to conceal the wires so that it would be color matched to the cavern. While he is grabbing one of these buckets of sand on this upper level, He looks over to a rock ledge that has a previously built rock cairn, and this rock cairn has a loose, nice, solid chunk of limestone beside it that's not part of the structure. He looks at it, and he realizes that it would be great to use in the new one that he's making in this other passage. He doesn't carry it down with him since he has these buckets in hand, so instead he picks it up and places it off to a different side on a different ledge so that he can see it more visibly and grab it later. He goes back to work in his tunnel, uses up the cement and the sand and needs to fill the bucket up again. He leaves the tunnel, walks up the steps to the sand pit, he looks over at the rock and the rock that's on that ledge is now split into two pieces separated by about two and a half inches. This weirds him out because there's seemingly no reason this solid chunk of limestone should have split that way. And he kind of gets the sense that somebody is playing a prank on him. But he also knows it doesn't make sense because he's down inside the cave alone and nobody's around let alone the fact that if anybody were to pull a prank on him, they would have to be able to read his mind and know what he was going to do with the rock.
3: Right. But he kind
4: of brushes it off. Again, this is, he's a no-nonsense guy. He just chalks it up to happenstance. Maybe it just split somehow. So he goes back down the steps, goes back into his tunnel. He's mixing up more cement. And while he's mixing cement right behind him in this darkened passage... He hears what sounds like a little boy laugh right behind his ear. So he quickly turns around, and there's nobody there. Wait, did the boy ask him to look on the shelf? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the little boy unfortunately did not. <laughs> so the maintenance guy is freaked out, and he's thinking, "Is this a little kid that wandered down this passage? Yeah. You know, from a family tour that's right outside the tunnel? Because yeah. a tour, if there was one, would be going." right outside of the passage he's working down. However, this passage at this point in time is off-limits and closed because he's working in it. He goes up to the mouth of the tunnel and nobody is down there. Not only is there no family tour, but there actually wouldn't be another tour for the next 20 minutes. And he starts getting a really creepy feeling. The hairs on his arms are standing up and he gets the sensation that somebody or something is watching him. And he doesn't normally have these feelings. But he tries to shrug it off. And to get his mind straight, he grabs his bucket and he goes to fill it up with more sand. And when he goes up to grab more, he looks over at that ledge again. And looks at that rock that he placed there. And it is now split into three pieces, separated by two inches. (laughs) So... That so, was enough for him. So I'm, I'm thinking like when you first told me the story,
1: and it was Tyler and I have had four hour conversations. <laughs> it's <laughs> starting true. Starting at midnight <laughs> several times. And I remember you telling me the story, and you, you first told me, and I thought, well, maybe there was like a pressure fracture or something, and he set it down. So the first crack, maybe. Sure.
4: Right? Yeah. Unlikely, oh, yeah. but maybe. Yeah. Sure. The sure. second one, uh-uh. Very strange. Well, yeah. well yeah. and here's the thing, too. It's like, Even with the pressure crack, this was a rock. There, there was even a guy that tested it. This particular chunk of limestone was so durable, you could hit it with a geology hammer, and the hammer would spark off the rock. Wow! Wow. It was very solid. And even if it was like say even the first crack, even if it was like a pressurized thing, how would it separate like by two inches? Yeah, that's. You know, I I had him. So, for clarity, after this happened, I went down there immediately with a backpack. I took photographs of this rock, I wrapped the individual pieces of this rock in um, the paper that we use in the bathrooms, <laughs> and I stowed it away. I actually own this object, which is one of the most incredible things I own, even though, to anyone else's eye, it's just the rock, or pieces of rock. But I did have him go down and, like, explain, you know, like, what happened beat by beat, and show me how much the rock was separated. Very interesting and very much in line with, you know, Tommyknocker folklore sure. in the yeah. area, yeah, which sure. very much is prevalent in Pennsylvania and the mines mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. caves. So for for those who may not know what Tommyknockers are, you know, they're these kind of mischievous goblin-type characters that inhabit the mines and caves, and they like to pull pranks on miners. Sometimes they take, you know pieces of their food or they hide tools sometimes they allegedly warn miners of impending collapse you know but there's certainly a trickster element and and this very much hits the hallmarks of that and like this maintenance guy didn't know that stuff either you know Mm -hmm. but he's very much experiencing this modern folklore Mm -hmm. of this thing that's been carried here into this state for years you know and i think that's it's so fascinating but, you know, it's not the only thing that's happening there. I'm sorry if that was a long-winded
1: Well, tell what happened a year later.
4: Oh, so you're right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So this is really interesting and very much also aligns with this kind of fairy folklore idea. So after I took these photographs, I did a little write-up online about it in, in like, an Instagram post. Posted it to both my Instagram posts and my Facebook And, you know, I forgot about it. You know, I continued to work there over the year and the next year. So an entire year goes by. I'm off of work on this particular day. And Facebook memories actually Mm -hmm. posts the (laughs) photos of when I took pictures of this shattered rock in the cave. I'm like, oh, no kidding. That was a year ago. I was off of work that day. So I wasn't in the cave. So... I took out my phone and I texted one of my friends who worked there. And all I said is I said, Hey, check for strangeness in the cave today. This guy who's working calls me immediately and he's freaking out. He goes, why did you just text me that? He's like, you're freaking me out. Why would you say that? And I'm like, why are you freaking out? (laughs) And he goes, I was down into the lower part of the cavern, which doesn't have lights. I was leading a cave tour, a deep cave tour. He goes, and my entire group, including myself, we all heard what sounded like little girls laughing and running through the cavern. (laughs) And I'm like, that is so strange. So like, he didn't even realize why I texted him that, and it pertains to that laughter that the maintenance guy heard. So it also makes me think about the whole fairy legends, you know, like... Things like fairy rings and someone's trapped inside of them. Yeah. You can pull out the person that's trapped inside after a year and a day, mm-hmm. yep. because that's when they kind of reappear. Even though there's yep. this time dilation, yeah. they you know, it's like yeah. all that passage of time is just one moment. Mm. And 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 I can't help but think: Is that just one moment sure. to these things that yeah. are inhabiting yeah. the caves? Like is uh, a year, it, and it could have been. I actually would have to check to see if it was a year and a day, or if it was just a year. It might have actually been at specifically a year and a day because I don't know if I uploaded those immediately that oh, same okay. day. Yeah, I sure. Think I may have did it, like because because like sense, I'm yeah. one of those people. I have OCD, so yeah. like sometimes I'll have something that I'm like I really want to post this, but uh-huh. I have to think about it. Yeah. So I I actually think it was specifically a year and a day from when I posted that, but I didn't I didn't realize that like when it shared the memory but it very much pertains to that kind of oh, yeah. distorted time cycle. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's just one tale from the underground. Tale so. from the underground.
2: <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm going to stop now because I'm a You're, you're piecing out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. sorry that was so long. I know, I, know. I, know. You, I know. you asked. Good night, Al. Good night, night Al. Thanks for listening. Well, the 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 us Oh, no, well, that's... Hang out as long as you want. It was nice meeting you. It's nice to
1: yeah, meet you. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, thank right? you, I will. She slept through noise bands, so she's, yeah, she's, oh, she's, yeah. she's fine with us. <laughs> <Yeah>, I'm <used> have <laughs> to schedule <laughs> <to laughs> my life now where I get up at, like, insanely early,
2: like, to, like 5.45 or 6 o'clock, sure. and then I go to bed at, like, 9, 9.30. So. I understand.
3: That's not very goth for you. No, it <laughs> <have laughs> isn't.
4: Nice it's all <laughs> false averages. <laughs> <but> it's always <laughs> been false. I, I do that now. It's because of these things, actually. Yeah, (laughs) I know a little too much about them, and I think... (laughs) uh, Did I tell you my sleep with the lights on story? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The weird text. Yeah, Yeah, I think about that, too. I'm like, yeah, nah. (laughs) I'd rather (laughs) see see what's coming at me. Yeah.
1: Do you have anything you're working on that you can tell us about?
4: Oh, God. Well, I feel bad because I don't have a great platform for people to follow just yet, but I am working on... Um, getting a Patreon up and running just so people can see all the kind of different art that I work on because I am an artist and a lot of that art pertains to these topics so you can keep an eye out for that and you can keep an eye out for updates on that if you were to follow me yeah, BlackWolf26 on Instagram. There you go. Um, if
1: people aren't familiar with, like, they might know the Hellier Goblin Head, mm-hmm. which you
4: sculpted, which is amazing. Oh, yes. I, I'm actually super happy you brought that up. It, a lot of people actually don't know I made that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for those of you who may be fans of Hellier or will be fans of Hellier, um, when you see the creature on the poster art for that, that is actually a physical sculpture that I created. And I created that sculpture specifically with that case in mind and even that has its own interesting kind of synchronistic story which is uh what I like to bring to this kind of art field you know like in hellier there's this guy who is experiencing these kinds of creatures in the beginning uh that sent these emails and his creatures very much sound like typical gray aliens Um, And there's even blurry photographs of these things, of course, because you always need a blurry Mm -hmm. photograph when dealing with the paranormal. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But in this photo and his description, he talks about how these things are small and pale, they don't have hair, and they have thin, lipless mouths and round, bird-like eyes. He doesn't talk about a presence of ears, but in this documentary, we, we make some allusions to how... It sort of connects and sounds similar to the Hopkinsville Goblin incident
5: yeah. Mm-hmm. and
4: those creatures depicted in, in that incident very much have very large ears, yeah. very prominent ears yeah. so I kind of wanted to make an amalgamation of something that had callbacks to the Kentucky Goblins while also adhering to David's description of the thin lipless mouth and the, the round bird-like eyes So I kind of took those ears, scaled them down to a more viable, I don't know, anatomy, so to speak, and made something that looked like it could be real, you know, something that could exist. And uh, I wanted to have a generalized but vague feeling about it, something that, depending on who's looking, it could appear fairy-like or it could be a space alien Mm -hmm. or a spaceman you know that's kind of the the terms I kept in my mind when I was designing it but I am the one who designed that particular creature and, and the way that it looks on that poster and um it's really interesting and um honorable how many people have incorporated that image into their own artworks so, I, I think it's incredible to have art that inspires other artists. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and I want to continue to do that. So, if you guys follow me and uh, look at what I do, you know, I'm, I'm nothing but a creative as I learn how to navigate this strange world while I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: Part two of this conversation is going to be a patron episode, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Or if you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, you'll get it there as well. If you want to hear it, if you want to become our patron, if you want to help us make Strange Familiars, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Our patrons get extra episodes, like the one coming up, part two of this. We do extra episodes every month, at least one. Often we do more. We try to do two. I think most months we've done two. There's different tiers of support. You can get merch at certain tiers, or you can just get the bonus episodes, etc., at Patreon. Check it out. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, like I said, it's on Apple Podcasts as well. I think it's called Patron of the Strange there. You can subscribe. Thanks to everyone who has supported us. We could not do the show without our patrons. Thank you so much. And we'll see you over at Patreon for the next part of this conversation.
8: Looking for something to do after Halloween is over? Are you into the strange, bizarre, and unusual on November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the Strange Realities Conference is coming back to Nashville, Tennessee and streaming online. Come join us for three days exploring mysteries, supernatural, the occult, weird history, and more. Featuring lectures, presentations, and workshops by Tim Banal, Zach Hunt, Melvin Vance, Rand Collier, Tobias Whalen, Brent Rains, Joshua Kutchen, Kiki Dombrowski recluse, Nathan Isaac, Christopher Ernst, Aaron Goulias, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Mallory Simwitzky, Soraya Azkath, and special guest Steve Berg as your Master of Ceremonies. Make sure to join us for the fun and informative weekend online and at SIR Nashville November 3rd and 4th and online only November 5th. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com.
1: Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash Familiars. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, no underscore. For Strange Familiars merch, you can go to strangefamiliars.com slash merch. For everything else, strangefamiliars.com.
5: Not stray the very narrow Is its way My feet they are not twine To this long And lonely street.